0: Hello, it is February fourteenth. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA Podcast. Talk a bit about UFC two fifty eight specifically, Kamara Usman. I saw a lot of talk about him maybe being the best welterweight in UFC history and the jury is definitely still out on that. And and it will be for quite a while. Yeah, he has broken his record, uh, broken the record he was tied with with George St. Pierre for most wins in most consecutive wins in the welterweight division. Now uh, Usman's at 13, but let's not forget where St. Pierre's 12 wins in a row came. And they were when he was at the top of the division. So, I think the more, I think the better comparison is going to be as in in, in title defenses. Saint Pierre has nine consecutive, and Usman just got his third. And I'm not taking anything away from Usman because I definitely think he could uh, pass Saint Pierre. Definitely has the potential, but it's going to take a while before we 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 can say that he is the best. And here's why I think that way. St. Pierre, when he had his winning streak, he was at the top of the division. And when you're at the top of the division, when you're the champion, everyone below you is gunning for you. Everyone is training specifically for you. And this is what makes John Jones so good. Everyone is training specifically you for you for a long while. And so... You have to face opponents who are who have been getting ready for you for years and in some cases like saint pierre like silva um like jose aldo like demetrius johnson these these people underneath you in the rankings have been training specifically for you for years and so that makes it exponentially harder to hold on to that title and so that's why i think usman has um some time to go before he can be considered the best UFC welterweight of all time. So let's wait a while and, you know, let's see how his title reign goes before we declare him as the uh, welterweight GOAT. So I'm, like I said, I'm not saying he won't be, or I'm not saying he can't be. I'm just saying right now, jury's still out, going to remain out. So let's calm down a bit, take a breather. Appreciate what we have right now, which is a great fighter and give it some time to develop until we start comparing him to someone like St. Pierre. Let's move on now to the Gina Carano issue. Now, I wrote about this for Bloody Elbow and I spoke about it last week, so I'm not going to rehash my feelings on this, but I do want to mention something that happened um, I think it was on Friday when Dana White called Ariel Hawani uh, a douche and said that Hawani made the whole thing about Carano getting fired about him, which he, he did not, not at all. I mean, Hawani, Hawani um, said his piece, and here's what Hawani said. Obviously, I am very disappointed in what she posted. To be honest, I haven't agreed with a lot of the things she has posted over the past year. This last post, essentially comparing being a Republican in America or having a certain political view to being a Jew in Nazi Germany during World War II, is asinine. It is an absolutely crazy comparison to make and is completely insensitive to think that Jewish people and other minorities as well, not just Jews... But in this particular post, Jews were the ones discussed, had to hide in attics and in gutters and had to be separated from their families and murdered six six million of them. Um, To compare that to what is going on in this country is just a very tone deaf analogy to make, to put it mildly. Now, I am not one, I'm not into the whole cancel culture and all that. I'm not here to talk about someone's employment or something like that. I'm here to talk about the comment, the statement, the analogy. As a Jewish person and as a human being, it just doesn't sit well. And I wish she would have never posted that. Quite frankly, I wish someone would have talked to her about her social media posts over the past year. Some of them, not even political, just in general, they felt off to me. I'm sorry she has gone down this path. So that is an opinion that Ariel Helwani expressed. He didn't make it about himself at all. This is an effort, once again, of Dana White to paint Helwani, specifically Helwani and in a big picture of the MMA media as the enemy of I don't know what, I guess Dana White and the UFC. So if anyone made this about themselves, it was white. And if anyone's a douche in this conversation, it is white. Now, what what bothers me is that no one has really spoken up um, about this. I, I posted something uh, during the fight about it and how stupid it was and that that, and that White was the douche in this whole conversation um, and that's his word, he threw that out there, so let's let's use it, and Dan LeBittard has also um, pointed this out, and has said to ESPN, the UFC's partner, that by being silent, they too are um, backing White, which is kind of crazy, since Helwani is an ESPN employee, and White we know where White stands with the ESPN. They're the UFC's partner. So ESPN's not really in a difficult spot here or shouldn't be. They should back their employee. Will they? Well, let's see. And I mean, that's above my pay grade. But what I can say is that regardless of what you think of Helwani as an MMA reporter or an MMA journalist, he is your colleague. And so you should defend his right to express his opinion and not to be bullied by this knucklehead, Dana White. Now, I know if you cross White, there's a fear that you're not going to get access. There's a fear that you're not going to get credentials. And while I understand that, I don't think that this is a matter where you, have, where you can stay quiet. Because what's to say one day that you're not in the, in the same position. What's to say that white doesn't one day get mad at you. And then you're the douche. Then you're getting called out at the press conference. Then your name's in Dana White's mouth as a douche, as a, as a, uh, a fucking scumbag, as he called me. And would you want your colleagues to stand up for you? Sure you would. Now, Helwani is, for the most part, admired in the MMA world. Um, I'm yeah, you know, he has some detractors, but more people like Helwani and look up to Helwani than don't. So, if he can't get support in this in this scenario, if no one's going to stand up for him in this in this scenario, what are you going to expect if White comes for you now? And I don't think. Helwani has ever been out of line He broke a story This What pissed White off in the first place was that he broke a story He did his job And White didn't like it Alright But tough shit, that's his job He did it, you don't have to like it You just You don't have to run him over with the bus You don't have to threaten him You don't have to be an asshole about it But White was an asshole about it And continues to be an asshole about it And this is years ago not as many years ago as, say, White got pissed off his at Josh Gross and still holds that grudge, but a few years ago. So I just want to know where are Helwani's colleagues in all this? Regardless of what you think of him in any way, you should be there standing up uh, to Dana White and calling him out on his bullshit because what he said, what he did, is unnecessary and... He tried to push Helwani down, and he tried to shut, up the, shut the conversation down, and he succeeded because there's this overwhelming fear of Dana White in the UFC, and it's, it's not a fear that needs to—you don't need to fear him. You don't. I mean, if he bullies you, so what? But this is how he gets over, and I think the MMA media needs to stand up as a whole— and, and call this guy on his bullshit, because all it is is bullshit. All it is is a bully. And if you push a bully back, they usually crumble, or they usually show themselves to be what White has shown himself here. Because in all of this, we kind of forget that White likes to brag that he doesn't care about the media. Meanwhile, he cares enough about the media to try and discredit them and make him look bad at any chance he gets. So you know, it's a it's a case of pro- protesting too much for uh, from white, but again, MMA media needs to throw their support behind Hawani, speak up, or this shit's just going to happen again and again and again, and one day, hopefully not, but one day, you could be the one that's getting called a douche, and then and then what? Are you gonna Are you gonna stand up for yourself? Are you gonna hope your colleagues stand up for you? Are you just going to let White run over you? I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to stand up for Helwani and I'm going to call this what it is. It's bullshit, it's bullying, and it needs to stop. Will it stop? It's not going to stop until people start pushing back. And I don't think that's going to happen. The UFC lightweight division still has... Khabib Nurmagomedov as the champion because Dana White is still pushing to have Nurmagomedov as the champion. Now, Nurmagomedov has made it clear that he is retired, that he thinks Poirier should be the champ, and that he is, in his mind, not the champion. But yet, here we are, and uh, I don't know what to say. I, I really don't know what to say at this point. And I think White more or less said that He thinks that there's no one that can be the champion other than Nurmagomedov. And that says to the rest of the UFC division in, well, maybe not in these words, but plainly enough, it says, you suck. I don't think you are worthy of holding a UFC title. And come on, that's a promoter saying that about his fighters. Now, I know what White's doing here. He's holding things up in the hopes that McGregor can get a win and and then McGregor can be the champion because that's what the UFC wants, because that's where the money is. But that's also bullshit. Um, The man said he's done fighting. The title should be relinquished. And Dustin Poirier should fight Charles Oliveira for the title. And then let the chips fall where they may after that. But White is adamant that Nurmagomedov is still the champion even though he's said on multiple times if you want to retire you should retire and now Dana White's holding up the division Dana White's messing with everybody's money Dana White is the one that is screwing everything up I don't get it it makes no sense and I hope the UFC lightweight division is all aware of this and that when they get the chance they fight out their contracts They explore free agency, and if they get a half-decent deal from anyone else, take it. Take it. Because Dana White has shown you what he thinks of you, and what he thinks of you is you're not good enough to hold a title. So show him what you think of him and move on. Go somewhere where you're going to be treated at least like a human and not run down in this way, but... I don't know if that will happen. I hope it happens. I think that if it does happen, that um, Poirier might be the one to do it because, like he said, he's fighting is just something he does now. He's not a fighter. He's a man who fights. And a man who fights and has the interests that he has is a man who is going to go where the money is right. And we know that if you're a good fighter, but not a champion, uh, the money is not right in the UFC. So hopefully, at least some big, big-time lightweights tell tell White to screw and uh, move on because he, what he said to you more or less is, you're not worthy to be a UFC champion. Which, come on now, um, I found this interesting. Ali Abdelaziz is the manager of Kamara Usman. And so we know Usman won on Saturday, defended his title, and then he called out Jorge Masvidal, which, while I don't understand the call out because Usman beat him, I I can see where Masvidal would think it's a money fight. And so that's the fight he wants. Okay, well, I, I don't think that fight needs to be rerun. I'll watch it. It'll draw eyeballs and... It, it should be a pretty, I mean, Masvidal was probably going to lose that fight again, even with a full camp, but it'll do well. It'll make uh, Usman money and it'll make the UFC money. And so it will probably get made. But what struck me odd here is, this is a tweet from Brett Akamoto of ESPN, Kamaru Usman's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, just told me he's already talking to UFC about Usman and Masvidal as tough coaches. Quote, It's what Kamara wants, and Jorge deserves a full camp, but he and his team better be on their best behavior. We already beat them up inside and out of the cage, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again to make myself clear: Ali Abdelaziz thinks he's a fighter, and what happened? What the reference there is is that he, I guess, sucker punched or slapped um, Abe Kawa, who is the manager of Masvidal, or at least in the team that manages Masvidal with his brother, uh, Malki, and from what got reported, and I wasn't there, so I don't know what's what, but uh, Anthony Pettis was there from what I understand, and Abdelaziz beat a hasty retreat after he slapped Kawa, Um, and Pettis is managed by the Kawa brothers as well. so. Abdelaziz Aziz is, is kind of an embarrassment to himself, his fighters and the and mixed martial arts for, for the things he does. And remember this is the guy who went after Colby Covington in a buffet line in Vegas and had to be held back by held back by Usman who is the guy who had the beef with Covington. And, and, and it's just it's just embarrassing and it just doesn't ever improve. If you're a professional, which Abdulaziz, I would like to think that he thinks of himself as, why do you do that? Why do you do this kind of stuff? Why would you attack a man who has beef with your fighter in a buffet line? It's just stupid. It's a crime for one thing. And then it's embarrassing to you. And if he was my manager, I wouldn't look at it as someone who's trying to help me or defend me. I would look at it as someone who's trying to embarrass me and get me associated with a knucklehead that's going to go after somebody in a buffet line in public and get you know, arrested, maybe charged. And that's not something I want to be associated with if I'm a, if I'm a pro- professional fighter. That's just a knucklehead mentality. But yet, that's what Abdulaziz, uh puts out there so I don't get it I will never get it and I will never understand why someone would want to be represented by someone who is um who puts that kind of energy out there because it's 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 not cool it's not tough it's just embarrassing so Frankie Edgar I've been wanting to talk about this for a while but Frankie Edgar got knocked out if you recall by Corey Sandhagen with a nasty knee and it's probably going to be in the running for knockout of the year throughout 2021 and I something real special is going to have to bump this one out it was violent it was ugly it was scary it was one of those ones where even if you understand everything about the sport of mixed martial arts you didn't really want to see it it was that bad and that worrisome and the Nevada State Athletic Commission gave Edgar a 60-day suspension Um, for this and that was 120 days less than Alistair Overream, who had a broken nose and I forget somebody else who might have broke their hand which says to me that you the Nevada State Athletic Commission does not consider brain injury at all um, when it hands out its suspensions and here's what Edgar said I didn't really come two until i was in the back that is the first thing i remember i'm sitting around the doctors going through the whole process with them mark and ricotta are next to me and i'm like mark what happened he's like you fought and i kind of figured that but i couldn't remember who the fuck i fought i'm like who did i fight he's like San Hagen. i'm trying to remember training for the guy and i couldn't remember training for him since since when was i supposed to fight him i thought maybe i just took this fight on short notice or something he's like bro two months you've been training for this guy for two months i just couldn't wrap it around my head and then he goes on to say he didn't remember what month it was. He didn't remember what day it was. And that stuff eventually came to him. But I saw a lot of people making a a, a big deal out of this. And it should be. But this is not an uncommon thing if you get knocked out. This is kind of what happens. And we've heard it often. But I think it carried a little extra weight this time. One, because of the awareness of brain injuries. And two, maybe because of who it was. We tend to, uh, the MMA community tends to like Frankie Edgar, admire Frankie Edgar. And so when he says it, it carries a little more weight than when somebody else says it maybe. But this is what happens when you get knocked out. It often happens. You lose that, that moment and you struggle to get it back, and you struggle to recover from that. And if you look at hockey, you point to Sidney Crosby, who had some concussions earlier in his career, and he had to take a lot of time off to get back to normal. But MMA fighters don't get that time. They don't get mandated to get that time off. The Penguins more or less mandated, or or at least supported, Crosby and getting that time off and getting things right in MMA that doesn't happen UFC doesn't make that happen they go by the suspensions the athletic commissions give and in the case of Edgar that's 60 days or and 30 days without contact so the the big picture is he can get back in training in 30 days after losing his his memory after getting knocked out after getting I'm gonna assume concussed in that fight and that's not good when you're handing out a a, a a six month suspension for a broken nose, but a two month suspension for being knocked out cold, that doesn't sit well with me. And that tells me that one, the state athletic commissions or some of the state athletic commissions don't take knockouts seriously. And two, the UFC does not take knockouts seriously. Now you can throw around that, the, the Cleveland Clinic study, but... I can also throw that around and say, you know what, maybe that's just PR. So if UFC wants to show me and the athletics the, uh, commissions want to show me that they really do care, let the, make these guys sit out for six months. Make them sit out for six months. Establish a baseline for every UFC fighter as far as their, 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 their CT scans and brain tests, which is what I think a lot of the other... Sports do. I think the NHL does that, so you know what you're comparing things against. You know what the person was like at the start of the season, so if they get a concussion, you know where they have to be before they can be allowed to play again. UFC doesn't do that. State athletic missions don't do that, but we pretend that the sport is safe and healthy because the fighters are asked to sit out for two months after they get a concussion, but if you've had a brain injury of any kind like that, concussion, or, or knocked out, you know that it takes a long time sometimes to get back to normal. And for someone who's been in the uh, UFC and fighting for such a long time, there should be real concern about someone like Frankie Edgar. But there isn't. The concern is 60 days, and you can go back to, uh, to fighting. And there's no check. There's no check. Who's going to check on these uh, suspensions to make sure they're being enforced doesn't happen so let's be a little more serious about this and uh, look at it as a a big picture issue and maybe treat a a knockout at least as seriously as you treat a broken nose that's all i have for tonight i will be back tomorrow until then everyone stay safe